Hey, this is Marv Wolfman, co-creator of the Teen Titans, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. A fine showing, Sir Price. Very nice. Yeah? Yes. Yes. Nah, no, never second-guess yourself. Yeah, okay. You're just going to have me rewrite 48 almost 48 your dna years. actually oh. that would be yeah, recoding so. your dna that ain't that gonna happen so damn Liberate. what are we gonna do for his 50th does david dream of electric sheep <laughs> we'll zoom we'll zoom a birthday party bruh come on seriously listen let's no. be honest if, if, if by the time you turn 50 which is two years and a week from now if we don't have this either in hand from a cure vaccine or some other kind of, of, of preventative oh, care, and we're not getting together, I mean, the world's pretty much going to be over. So or, or we could all be speaking Russian by then. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're not going to go there, are we? I'm just saying. I'm here to forget about reality. This I'm, is my, I'm just saying. This is my VR room. Yes, yes. Das Vidanya, everyone. It's 11 o'clock oh. comics, episode 600, did I say it right? And 93. Woo. Yes. And I am Vince B. Oh, you are the beautiful Vince B. I am David A. Price. It's true. And don't fuck with me because I'm Jason Todd. Oh, <laughs> you got it half right. You're not Jason Todd, you whiny little bitch. You're Jason <laughs> Wood, my buddy. We're all here together on this, a special patreon episode that's right it's a stealth episode you didn't expect it yet we give it to you anyway and that's what our patrons do 11 o'clock comics patron site is patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe and we have a wonderful assortment of people that are there each and every month and they bring these special episodes to you they lift everyone up Unlike someone else I'm not going to mention, but they lift everyone up, so everyone benefits from their patronage. If you'd like to check it out, remember that URL, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, and that's it. Boom. No more advertisements at all for the next 6.2 hours as we regale you with the magnificent books we read in the very short time it was between we, the last time we did this. That's true. Yeah. And, and, and spoilers, we're having... In part, we're doing tonight because I will not be able to be there Thursday. Well, it is the second, okay. the second Thursday of the month, right? <laughs> second and fourth, is it, or is it no, first and third? It's the first and third. <laughs> yeah, okay. y'all are hilarious, but yeah, either way, <laughs> laugh it up, laugh it up. I'm just letting the people know. Yeah, it's good to be honest with your your peoples. So, um, uh, I'm not. I, I'm not. Trying to open us up with a downer. It's, it's oh no, it's, it's right though. It was, um, but what? See, see, this is the thing. So Friday evening, um, a, a coworker, someone who works on the administrative side on on campus at work. He's, he's Eric is friends with Renee. Um, he's in her office quite a bit. He and I head not to each other, so we don't really get to speak all that much. So he he came over, and the three of us went out to dinner, and. Um, over at whiskey river because he's he likes whiskey and i forgot he um my wife when she was making masks for people uh he got one of the ones with the avengers and um 
I forgot that was for him. So he shows up and he's wearing the mask. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. So he was the one who got the comic book mask. And we're we're sitting down. We're having dinner. It's a great old time. And um, and then I don't know if, if my wife mentioned it or I mentioned something that we had discussed the night before. And I said, podcast. And Eric's like, what podcast? So Renee's eyes roll. And, and then I was like, no, I do a podcast to my best friends and he's like well, what's it about so i tell him and his eyes lit up and then like from that point on renee was like well i'm just gonna finish my meal and then i'm gonna go home and hang out with the dog because i'm pretty much out of this conversation so romance and then and then it started to to miss the little bit so so the timing was perfect he and i went out inside to the bar we um we each had a glass of mictors and then and he's hitting me with a bunch of questions and so he's he's an x-men fan we're talking about secret wars we're talking about like he was talking about peter and kitty and then you know peter falling in love with uh zaji and on 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 war world and then when he comes and, and i mean he's like and he's deep and and um we were talking about titans on the dc universe app and and just all this shit so uh so then we left there i walked around the corner showed him where the comic shop is and and so you know we just chilled and it was a great old time and i i reminded him that you know well the reason why he's got that mask is because you know the reason renee has any of that fabric is because of me and um so yeah so he 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 then comes over and before he leaves he uh he gives us a gift and he and he, and he looks through um my portfolio and then he drives off and then we light up his gift after he leaves and and we're just having a, a a nice chill evening, and then I take my dog for a walk, and then I see the news on my phone, and I was just fucking crushed over the fact that at forty three years old, Chadwick Boseman has has passed away, succumbed to colon cancer, and I come home and I just and I, I tell my wife she's probably gonna need another couple of puffs before turning in, and we just kind of numb the entire weekend, and and there are and I know we were just talking about. Black Panther and yeah, and, last week and, and the sequel, the, the, the twenty four hours earlier, and it was, it was just, it 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 blew my mind. And and there are, it's weird. There, I mean, there are some celebrities, actors, musicians, whatever. And and you know, when they pass on, I don't. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's sad. You know, I feel sorry for their family, or you know, my 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 thoughts. And that's that's kind of where it is. Because there's no, especially if it's not somebody I actually know, and and obviously I've never met Chad Bozeman, but this is this one, this one kind of hurt, and and for multiple reasons. But but I just and my wife is a little bit more um, uh, harder when it comes to that. If if you know she she recognizes that death is just a natural state of things, but but you know again celebrities, it's like all right that that's cool. There are people that were affected by this and and they touch people and and but um you know still just a person and i don't there isn't any any emotional attachment there but but this one this one actually did did kind of hurt her. i think the last time she was really hit this hard maybe was like way back when with gregory hines and i mean there's just certain certain people that do that for to to can affect you um and it, it was just, I mean, I was kind of offline most of the week. I just, I really, I just, I didn't want to, it's not that I didn't want to accept it. I just didn't want to face it. I didn't want to make it real. And I mean, unfortunately, TV and everything was going to make sure that you 
knew what had happened at Friday night. And um, ABC played the uh, played Black Panther last night, and then they followed it with um, with a special on Chadwick, um, which was touching. And, and you had a bunch of uh, bunch of actors from a bunch of his movies um, over the years talk about him. But I mean, it was just it it was hard man and i i the today wasn't necessarily i wasn't in a haze but i still kind of was moving in slow motion and and it's weird it really is weird because again it's not somebody that we've ever met i mean of all the people that that three of us have met um broken bread with things like that um he was just somebody who played roles a few of them after real life people but um he was more than that, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this. Maybe it was the timing also, cause we were just talking about him, but it, 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 um, it definitely did a one eighty from a couple hours earlier in the night. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I toasted to him quite a bit this weekend. I'll say. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I go back and forth about the – in fact, I think I've even made comments on social media in years past about how, generally speaking, I think sometimes we, the collective we, go a little out of ourselves um, when a famous person passes away, right? Like, uh, I mean, when Captain Kangaroo died, uh, you know, I, I didn't need to see it, 300 people saying, oh, the tragedy type of thing. But yeah. But um, but no, I mean, jokes aside, I, I but, but I, I agree with you. I think – I've thought a lot about why it hit me hard um, as it did you. And I think a lot of us, and I think there's a couple reasons. One, as you noted, he was 43 years old. So he's younger than all three of us. And I think younger than a big chunk of our listenership and our contemporaries. Uh, so that hits home um, Two, I think that although, like you said, we don't know him and, and we, we certainly, We've talked about this a million times. You, you'll, you don't know people, even people you think you know. You don't really know them unless you, you're, you're very, very close to them. Like, I know you two fools, but there's a <laughs> lot of people that, that may think they know me or vice versa, and, and I don't know a lot about them when, when it comes to shoving. So we don't really know uh, Chadwick well, but everything that we do know about him beyond that he was a, a great actor and, and did some amazing roles that we loved is that he's an incredible human being. Um, beyond being a celebrity, he's an incredible human being father husband and and for me i think the thing the the thing that really has been weighing on me is that you know he had this as we know now for four years fighting it and i know how i am when things aren't going well and and i say that with the under the context of i'm i'm under no illusions i've had an amazingly fortunate life and so i think generally speaking things are going well and life is good but but in the times when when it hasn't been going well for whatever reason uh, I don't think I necessarily handle it as well as I should relative to how I am with my loved ones or people who rely on me or my coworkers and so forth. And and again, I'm fortunate that hasn't been very many occasions in my life, but I, I definitely think it's something that I could improve on. And then I think about this man who, by all accounts, reached the pinnacle of his career, was was in blockbusters and critically acclaimed films as the lead and he's doing all of that doing press speaking out smiling for the cameras giving great pull quotes doing 
a myriad of junkets, going to award shows, uh, using his newfound celebrity for positive messaging. And all that time, in the back of his head, he knows that he is fighting a very difficult, if not ultimately losing battle, to a very painful type of cancer. And that astounds me. It mm-hmm. it, it, it is something I, I not only say it, I can't imagine, I know for a fact that I could not have the internal wherewithal to be a fraction of the person he was during those four years. It, it would sure. be an impossibility. I would be solely focused on myself, my direct family, and trying to survive. And I wouldn't give a damn about anything else. And, and it's just so remarkable to me that he he was the per- – because really most of the time that we knew him, he was fighting cancer. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that just stuns me. Seriously. I, I, there's, I, we, I, we, we, we watched 21 Bridges recently. I mean, and, and that – I enjoyed that movie a lot. Uh, we, we both did, my wife and I. And, and it's, it's not just everything that – I mean, acting is – Oh, it's easy, you know. You just you got to make sure you look good and know your lines, stand in where they tell you to, and and but but that's still those are still long days, and 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 it still can take a toll because you have to look good. You can't just you know not everybody can put on Thor's fat suit and do okay in a movie. Like you have to. Uh, every other Avengers movie, Hemsworth is working the fuck out. So you know you have you have to make sure you are fit, and 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 there are things that that you need to do before you can get to that camera, and and you know I know. As 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 strong as he had to be to keep this going while doing everything else, but I also have to. It, it's it's weird. It you know part of me, um, of course, if if the fans, if it's, if his fans and 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 his friends knew, um, they would be there to support him. They would probably you know drop as much as they could to 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 make sure you know to to help him as much as they could. But I have to give. Uh, respect to his family and his close ones who knew this, who knew he was dealing with this, and nobody outside of that circle knew. And 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 I respect someone taking that to that limit, like you t- taking it to that degree, like telling someone something, confiding in someone. And and I don't know, I don't know how who knew outside of his outside of his wife, uh, you know. So, but the fact that whoever knew. And and for however long they might have known, and nobody has said boo, is 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 amazing. And and I just it's I long for the days when you know you didn't know certain things. Now I mean someone does something and either I mean they'll either brag about it online themselves or someone will just very quickly find out and then spill it. And 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 it's that can be a little sickening at times. But um, it was it, it was it it was such a it was a kick definitely. Yeah, and then I just wanted to point out two things. One, um, he was a graduate of Howard University, and he was asked to give the commencement speech in 2018, which happened to be the 150th anniversary of Howard University. And it's available online. I posted it on Facebook, but you can you can Google it and find it, I'm sure, a million places right now. It's definitely worth your time. It's a very natural speech. It's not scripted. He's now reading off a teleprompter. And I thought it really spoke to the character of the man um, beyond, uh, you know, what we know of him again as, as an actor. And, and then the other thing is, and and I think it is important because, again, given our ages, I am 46, um, not to get too biological, but I have never had a, col- uh, a colonoscopy. Uh, um, depending on your, your, your history, 
your medical history and your family background, they recommend that men start getting them at 45. Uh, and certainly everyone should have them by the time they're 50. So I bring that up because this is a man who died of colon cancer at 43. And admittedly, that statistically speaking, that is that is odd. That is not normal. But um, you know, men in general, I'm trying to I'm stereotyping here, but but we in general are much worse than our female counterparts at taking care of ourselves. I know I went on a four year stretch without getting a physical. Now I've I've been much better in the last few years, but um, it's just it's really important. It's the second leading cause of of cancer death for men behind prostate cancer. And it is very treatable in most cases if caught early. Um, so if you're listening out there, I mean, let's be honest, 80% of our audience are 40 plus year old men, I'm guessing. <laughs> so, uh, if you have never done so, um, the next time you have a physical or just proactively now arrange to have a colonoscopy, it's, it's that simple. It's, it's not a pleasant idea, I'm sure, but the alternative of getting colon cancer that you could have cured had you been proactive, um, I, I think we'd all agree is the better alternative. So. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be the downer. Um, but traditionally I'm the outlier whenever something like this happens. Like I feel much less, or at least I purport to feel much less than you guys on the surface. Um, he, he, he was a young, handsome, uh, extremely talented man who gave back to his community. And I knew him as Black Panther, uh, obviously. And so he, you know, his performance resonated with me, but I, I, I can't like there, there have been three times in, in my entire life that I've ever lamented the passing of someone I didn't know. Can I guess? Sure. Kirby. That's number one. Zappa. Zappa. That's number two. And Kubert. Mm, not to the level of number three. No. Okay. Number three was Bowie. Okay. Was David Bowie? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, okay, when when yeah. I'm convinced when Bowie died, he cracked the cosmic firmament, yeah. and everything just went totally to shit. But anyway, mm -hmm. so I mean, I I I should resonate. It should bother me because I I too have stared death in the face like he. I, I've been in that situation. Uh, luckily for me, it, it was a cancer that was not uh, as um, malicious as as his but I, I i appreciated his efforts and what he did and um more to the point i appreciated what he gave back to the community and he tried to to educate and uplift and inform and he just seemed like a wonderful person and that's what i'm taking yeah. away from this right absolutely uh, the 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 world is a is a is a less vivid place without him i'm sure right yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's 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 pivot to the comics, right? Let's All right. Let me about. make you smile and giggle and laugh. And oh shit! Bring and it. Giggle. I love you. Going right at it. Nice. Yeah. Happen. All right. Prior to House of X, Powers of Ten, I will refuse to call it that. That easily blurtable thing that everyone else calls it. Um, Hashtag Hoxbox. Yeah. Um. I, it, it had been a minute. Um since I've read an X book and it had been a little minute after house of X powers of 10, because, uh, as good as that 12 issue stretch was, I wasn't really, um, hungry for more. 
So this weekend I was looking for something to read and I thought, well, you know, let's get Jason a little happy. I read Dawn of X Volume 1. I saw that on the run sheet and had to go take a few minutes in the bathroom. Okay. Uh, for for the uninformed, uh, Dawn of X Volume 1 includes all of the number ones released immediately following House of X Powers of Ten, which is X-Men number one, Marauders number one, Excalibur, New Mutants, X-Force, and Fallen Angels number one. Uh, I enjoyed almost all of them. The one that I thought uh, thought was a total waste of my time was Fallen Angels number one. Uh, Absolutely. I want I, I want that fifteen minutes back. Same as he said. Yeah. And and I'm 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 reading well it it the focus is Quanon, aka Psylocke, who I have zero concern for. Don't right. I don't care at all. And she goes on this little quest to um uncover this enemy called Apoth. And she takes Laura, X twenty three with her. Ding, take another one off my list, who I really don't care about. And in certain, in a couple of sequences, she has young Cable in tow. I don't have nothing to do with this young Cable. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I like the fact that they're they're buttressing the, the young Cable adventures with this mysterious older Cable that, okay, I'm hoping that pans out. But for right now, I don't, I don't really care about Quanon. So... To make it worse, the visuals were uh, served up uh, from Mr. Simon Kudransky. So the whole thing was a wash. Soup to nuts. Did Just really didn't care any about anything about it at all. But um, X-Men number one. I have questions, Jason. Okay. So Hopefully I'll be able to answer them on the spot. This isn't going to be embarrassing if I can't. No, it's, they're super simple. It's just I'm, maybe I wasn't paying attention during uh, the 12-issue stretch, but Cyclops is living in a Krakoa offshoot on the moon mm-hmm. with Gene, mm-hmm. Young Cable, um, and Wolverine. Like why is well, Wolf- and more and more and, well right and Rachel. and more yeah. and Rachel all, but all the, summers, all the summers crew plus Wolverine why is Wolverine living with them like let's bring the guy who secretly lusts after my ex girlfriend mm. well it, I mean it's been implied that they're actually polygamous. that they're kind of free with that really yes Hickman has implied as has uh, as has other writers Ben Percy inclusive that uh, that it is all very polygamous in fact. In the Hickman-esque outline of the of the um, living facility, someone pointed out that it looks like Wolverine's room connects to Gene and Scott's, like directly. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Assume that like they just get in where they fit in, man. Yep. So why was Scott so touchy feely with Polaris? Is I'd have he to go back and read the issue on that because I don't remember that specifically. I, it wasn't – I don't believe it was in this issue per se. But he's like, yeah, I have you. And there seemed to be some kind of romantic entanglement with Scott and Polaris. And mm. it, is, it is in this issue because he gives he gives that, that little speech like um, 
and she asks him, like, do you believe it? He says every single word of it. There seemed to be some kind of a a bond between Scott and and Polaris. As I was like, well, okay, I obviously missed that somewhere along the line. But um, the the forge is still a big. Um, I guess that's going to be the the uh, arch enemies for uh, some time to come. Yeah, I, yes. I presume. I mean, not. I guess I, I pause because I think there's a lot of different enemies coalescing around the X universe right now, and we have that Fakakta up to twenty issues, I believe now. X of Swords. Oh no, twenty two. I think. Okay, twenty two. Yeah, yeah it's, it's massive. It's yeah, massive. I was looking through the previews. I made fun of it last month, and then this month is just more of the same. Uh, and but not I to, think not... it ends this month because it looks like um, there is a yeah, because it's most of the beginning of it. Um, it ends right with there's an X of Swords destruction number one. That's part twenty two. So Yikes. I don't know. It's a one shot. I don't know if that means it's that's the conclusion or if it's just another one shot they're throwing in and it's going to continue next month well reading the synopsis of x of swords it sounds a little bit like pokemon to me there's 10 there's 10 swords and and they have to catch them all it it just sounds like the beginning of the phantom menace like like a video game type uh format where we're here and then you got to progress to the next level and you go here and then you butt over the like it just it doesn't sound i think the visuals are more compelling to me than the actual plot line Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait till that plays out. So X-Men number one, I thought it was a winner. Um, yeah. it, it was intriguing. It pulled me in and made me want to know more. Good. Hickman wasn't surprised that that he did the deed. The best issue in terms of story out of all of these, I thought was Marauders number one. Loved it. You heard. Yeah. I, it, it amazes me how malleable kitty is you can that's the sign of a good character that Mm -hmm. you can take kitty and use her in any a a myriad of different roles and she works in each one of them like in this thing uh i guess the the uh the crux of the biscuit is there's nations on earth that do not acknowledge krakoa as a sovereign nation um the russians have this mutant power dampening suit of armor and um, they're not allowing their mutant population to progress through the gate to make it to Krakoa. And uh, so Emma gives Kitty a, a, a job offer and she says, okay, here's the deal. You can be the captain of this ship in the Hellfire Trading Company. And what you're going to really be doing, aside from moving shit all over the place, is hurting mutants. All the ones that can't make it to the gates, you're going to step in and you're going to bring them to us. Cool, right? And uh, Kitty thinks about it for a while uh, and eventually takes it. But wow, I thought this issue was phenomenal. It it just, from the beginning to the end, it just played out like an episode of something that I would just plop down on the couch and watch. It was smooth. It was fluid. I love Kitty. I've always loved Kitty. There was a nod Mm -hmm. to Professor X as a jerk. Um, yep. at the end, I mean, they, they just pushed all the right buttons. I thought, and I don't want to, uh, short shrift it. The writer of this was, uh, Jerry Duggan, right? Yes. Yes. And no, but just phenomenal. Kitty's all wide eyed and innocent and 
uh, uh, I'll be honest, very, very sexy. I thought it was incredibly well done. And so I will progress past this first issue. I thought Music it was... Music to my goddamn ears. You're right. This is making me happy. Good. <laughs> um, uh, the inclusion of I- Iceman, smart. I like Bobby. I think he's always fun to have around. Um, I'm not a pyro mark, but the fact that it's the original pyro... Yeah, and, OG pyro. Yeah, OG pyro. That makes it more better. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Kitty smacking into the gate, how she can't traverse the gate to go to Krakoa for whatever reason is a mystery <laughs> that doesn't annoy me on the level of where did Wolverine come from? Like how we were strung. Sure. You know, it's just a, it's a, do I really need to know why Kitty can't use the gates? It would be nice to know. But, and you'll find and, out. I'm, I'm sure I mean, we will. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's not mandatory that I know. Uh, and it's pirates. But, like, you're on the open seas. That's fun. Right? That's fun. Are you... I, I'm, I'm still struggling with this because I'm, I'm a few issues behind. So I, I admit that. And that's probably why it's not always first and foremost. But... Um, and only having read the first issue, Vince, I don't know if this is... How you're going to feel about it. But... Uh, Jason, you're current on the title? No, I, I am probably... However many issues have come out since the COVID break, I'm okay. behind. I, I, I was current reading them basically day of release until Diamond shut down, and so I guess I'm, I'm probably, what, three issues behind on everything. Well, All there's right, 11 so. of them. No, I know. I, I don't offhand, I don't remember which, but I'm saying just, just based on kind of my mental framing of when I was reading it, I'm guessing I'm about three issues behind because I haven't read any X titles since Diamond's gone back into business. Um, I that's because of, of of how long we've known the character, but I, and and you know, props for taking a stand and 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 trust me if if when it comes to names, I get it. But are you able to think of her as Kate Pride yet? Why? Shit to you. Oh, I don't. Oh, it, yeah, no, I don't have a problem with that. No, she no, likes to be. I don't have a be... problem with it. I just, I, are you just going to like? Is it reflex to just keep calling her Kitty? Or because if you say, oh, Kitty... sure, yeah, for the next, if we're doing the show ten years from now, I'm going to call her Kitty. Okay, yeah, okay. I, I think I'm the same way. Yeah, and I, I get it. It's 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 her wanting to elevate her stature in the yes. eyes of because Kitty, that's a child's name or a teen's name. Kate is a woman's mm-hmm. name, so well, it makes yeah, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. But when you see the character in your in your mind's ear, you're saying Kitty. Mm-hmm, you're thinking sure. you're thinking Kitty. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say you, you all know the Kennedys. They're our our best friend family. We 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 vacation with them and the like. You you both know that. I don't know if our listeners know that, but uh, Mrs. Kennedy is 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 Catherine Kennedy, and I grew up with her. Uh, actually introduced her to her husband Craig, and who is my college best friend. That's why they're together. But. But she was Kathy growing up, and then she goes off to college and then gets, graduates and gets a job in Manhattan at a big finance firm. And we were roommates in Hoboken after college. She comes home one day and says, I'd like you all to call me Catherine. And we, the three roommates, laughed and said, what are you talking about? Like, you're Kathy. And she said, no, you know, I have this job now, and I'm trying to put a more mature, professional approach. So I just think it would be better if people address me as Catherine. And I had I never had any of it. I called her Kathy, never changed it. And then and a few years later, she mellowed out and said, "You know what, Kathy's fine." And so she's always been Kathy. But it's what it's what 
Kitty's going through right now. She's Kate right now, but she'll be cool with Kitty in a few years. She'll chill out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Next up, the one I thought I would enjoy the most, and I unfortunately, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but not on the level I presumed I would. Excalibur number one. We were doing so well. I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was wonderful to the point where I mean, if, if you're going to have an Excalibur and Brian's in it only as a secondary role, mm-hmm. only to only to divest his power to someone else. Okay, it's his twin sister. It makes sense, right? But do I want to see Betsy in the role of Captain Britain as of this first oh, issue? I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah I'm as, with that. as of this first issue, I, I'm I'm still uncertain, right? But <laughs> you're going to put Morgan Le Fay in it. You've got my attention, right? So the premise here is um, the Krakoan vine is, in the words of Morgan Le Fay, polluting other worlds' waters and tainting her magics, and she wants the witch breed responsible uh, for the the deed held accountable, and she aims to find the source. So uh, Brian is obviously subservient to Le Fay because he is the defender of the realm. Um, There's a point where Betsy and he kind of go at it, and she takes the amulet and escapes as the new Captain Britain. Makes sense. We'll see how it plays out. I thought the issue was beautifully illustrated. Um, I, did I need Rogue and Gambit? Mm, maybe, maybe not. I would have preferred a lot more Nightcrawler, but I'll take what I can get when it when it when it comes with to uh, um, Excalibur. So Rogue was using her dampening powers on the gate, and there's bad mojo that uh, some kind of biofeedback, and she's now sleeping and. Uh, enraptured in all these vines and stuff and it it you know it's a plot line that's going to pay out somewhere along the line but i really care about that core excalibur team megan brian nightcrawler like that's what i want to see so Mm -hmm. maybe maybe what after this first arc it'll it'll all coalesce into the traditional excalibur if betsy keeps the mantle of captain britain as marvel has a tendency of doing shifting their male uh, powers to females. That's okay. I won't be upset. But for right now, it was it was a win, but not a major win. Not as not as major as Marauders, which is, I'll be honest. Marauders number one is the peak, and everything else comes below it. Got it. Got okay. it. Okay. New Mutants number one. I enjoyed it very much. I thought Rod Rice though. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, Wait, you're going to you're going to Smurf Rod Rice? No, I thought the art was was fun. Yeah, but I'm thinking uh, Roberto and Danny seemed a little touched in the head throughout this issue, like a little <laughs> on the silly side. Not the the Berto and Danny that I know. They were asking silly questions. They were. It just seems like they were controlled by an outside force. Reread the issue. There, there's. There's interactions between the two and other people that just seem weird, mm-hmm. right? So I guess because of the whole Krakoa thing and, and mutants can't die, that the new mutants that had expired are now back. Um, you got the addition of Chamber in here, which is cool. I always like Chamber. Uh, Mondo's running around. But the, the, uh, the focus is they're going into Shi'ar space because, damn it, Sam should be here with us. 
And I could they're piggybacking with the Star Jammers, which does nothing more than reinforce the fact that Corsair is a dick and <laughs> not a great father. Mm-hmm. Uh, we seem to just, you know, gloss over the fact that he's abandoned Scott more times than I can count. But, mm. you know, he's dead. I thought it was it was fun. Uh, it was a win, in, in my opinion. There's There seems to be a lot to chew on here that, uh, as I said, I haven't read past issue number one. But um, visually striking, why? You didn't like it, Jason? No, I loved it. I, I thought you were going in a direction of not loving Rod Rice's art. And I, that's that was my... Re- no, I... I then you, uh, you mentioned that. I, I read the first issue in one of those moments where I shouldn't have read comics. You know how you have sometimes you, you read some comics and you didn't feel them and then you think... That's more about how I was in the vibe I was in versus the book, so I need to go back and reread them. Yeah. So when I first read New Mutants One, I remember telling uh, the North Carolina boys that I, I wasn't feeling it, and they were surprised by that. And then maybe two, three months later, I went back and reread that and the next few issues and, and loved it. So I just was in the wrong mindset that first read through. But no, I very much like it. And I think, I think part of it was that I thought Rod Rice was doing his best Sinkevich impersonation. And that irked me a bit, but that really isn't fair because that's Rod's style too. And I think he is certainly visually an homage to Sienkiewicz, but it's very much his own. And I think it's stunning. Uh, and I've kind of got a bit of a man crush on Rod Rice right now. So, yeah, no, I'm about about it. No, I think the art's very um, lush, very organic. Uh, I It's Penance, right? The one with the red tendrils and the leather and the yes the, yes. the two little penance things running around made me laugh out loud like who the hell are they and why are they there does penance mm-hmm. is she split into these little tiny creatures now or like what's the deal mm. i i have to again i have to go back and you're it's just a crazy by. visual like like yeah little homunculi penances running around which is fun mm. Uh, but the whole issue visually played off to me like the sequences in Sienkiewicz's run when he would adopt a Disney-esque kind of, like with with uh, rain and the and the the animals and the flowers and stuff. How it was just a little like cutesy, more pop artish, not as rough as the Demon Bear stuff, obviously. But when he would try to get a little bit of glamour into it, that's what this looks like to me. Sienkiewicz. Um, you know, glitzing it up a little bit, which is fine, right? But th- I'm looking at this interaction between Danny and 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 Roberto. It's just weird. Like they seem to be mind controlled. It just doesn't seem there. There, there are panels <laughs> when they just stop and not say anything. It's it's off to me, and I'm I'm I wouldn't be surprised if something was up with with Danny and uh, Roberto. But Starjammer's always fun. I like the fact. That um, Ileana cleaved Roz's arm. <laughs> that was fun. Like, you know, go girl. She's my favorite. <laughs> you go girl. Yeah, it, it was. It was cute. It was fun. It was not entirely what I expected, but that's a good thing, right? Yeah. X Force number one. Visually, I think it's the best looking issue of the bunch. Shout out to Joshua Kassara. Yeah, it is amazing looking. Um, I don't uh, the the sequence with the beast by the stream and that creature that that uh, attacks him. That's a perfect page. Color, line, everything, composition, a perfect damn page. I mm-hmm. would love. It's probably digital, but I would love it. 
Um, Josh is not digital. No. He is traditional. Oh man, the 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 panel with the the Kitty Hawk coming in at an angle and Black Tom is it's amazing. Like it's just <laughs> that is, yeah. it, visually, like I said, this issue is stunning on a right. ton of different levels. But I don't know exactly um, like the 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 characters that are parachuting in. Do we know who these people are? That that parachute into Krakoa and they kill Charlie? Not then, but we we then subsequently find out, but not then. Okay, so I'm not supposed to know who these characters are. Right. Because right. I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, one looks like Warpath to me, but I'm sure, you know, it's probably not. And, and I just found it very f- odd that we said that, okay, if mutants die, they could, they eventually will be revived. And so soon after... House of X, Powers of Ten, they kill off Charlie. Like, it just, it's weird. It, it yes, just, you, it, you, you may remember, or maybe not, I, I've vented about that when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt dumb about it because I had listened to a podcast with Hickman where he made the point of saying how important it was to stop being in this superhero big two cycle where death was meaningless. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, yeah, right on, dude. Like, like, like preach, you know? Then that happens, and I'm like, right. oh, what the fuck, dude? Like, but he he and Ben Percy then came out and said, like, do you think like obviously we did like we didn't just say what we said about death meaning meaning something and then do this. So I think the whole point of it was to suggest that like what Hickman meant is he's tired of people using death as an aha cliffhanger moment in superhero comics because death doesn't matter because it, it, even when the writer intends for you to think it matters. We all know it doesn't matter. Right. So he wanted to set the table differently where in the X universe until further notice, it doesn't matter. Like you will, like there is no death because it's superhero comics. Now I would imagine depending on how long he sticks around and so forth. So on, you know, there is a collective of mutants who are, 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 are in, in combination responsible for the resurrections. And so one must ask yourself what happens if one of them dies. Right. Right. But and, would, and I'm sure they have they I, I don't know if it's going to be now or a year from now or never. But I would imagine they have some idea of telling that kind of story. Right. Like at some point, will we get to a point where this resurrection magic MacGuffin doesn't exist anymore? And then what? So with that in mind, wouldn't you assume that collectively mutant kind would be much more risk taking than they are now? Like, they're sequestered on an island. If you can't die, or death would be temporary, wouldn't you be taking massive risks? You'd be doing things that, if there's no repercussions, you're not going to lose your life, at least not on a permanent basis. So why not just do all the things you wanted to do and extract vengeance on whatever you wanted to uh, extract and not worry about the the repercussions? You're not going to die. It, it just seems like they're all sitting around drinking wine, having fun, not really swinging that big stick around because that's in, in essence what they have. They're like a major gigantic stick and they could crush anything they wanted to and they're really not doing it. Like they're just taking this lazy well, affair attitude like, mm, let's have fun. Oh, look, grapes. Let's just eat these grapes. Like, no. I, well, I understand why you're saying that because, again, you're reading the first issues. But, but, but to your point – 
that that happens pretty quickly, and and it makes sense, right? Okay, you've got this panacea created where they are down to give or take two hundred mutants on the Earth. Suddenly, they they know that they can bring everybody back. I mean, thousands and upon that, millions, I guess, really. I mean, there were millions of mutants at one point, so um, they can bring everyone back. And 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 knowing that, I think would would be a time. There would be a period where you would celebrate this newfound panacea celebrate the return of, of lost loved ones, celebrate friends coming back. Um, you know, the, a, basically a cathartic sense of relief, but they very quickly get down to business. I mean, to your point, there are many stories that happen after this, where they are ready, willing and able to basically become a They, they, they knowingly die in the interest of a mission because they no longer fear permanent, the permanency of their death. Right. So it's like, Mutant kind collectively is X Force after this, just fling, yeah. flinging themselves headlong into. That's good. That that mm-hmm. makes sense, in in light of the 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 trigger. Like you're not going to die anyway, so okay. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I'm going to stick with X Force too because I think visually, nice. No, visually, it's stunning. Hot and then you have uh, Fallen Angels, which was a complete whiff on all levels, and has since been canceled, which you know justifiably Correct. so. Yeah, uh, I, I I was enjoying myself reading this stuff, and I was like, wait a minute, this uh-huh. and it, there's a in my mind there's a marked improvement under the Hickman banner than there was previously to that because there'd be so much baggage coming into this thing. Sure. Uh, the X universe, but now having read that uh, House of X Powers of Ten, really all I needed to know, um, more or less, was presented in those twelve issues. I feel like it's a nice little slate um, cleanser uh, or wiper that I can at least pretend or make an effort to enjoy the X books again, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to get convoluted quickly when you have this many characters running around uh, and this, this many books, right? Um, it, it's a given. But for the for the record, sticking with X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur, I'll read New Mutants. So five out of six with X-Force is not bad. Nope. And it 100% lines up with my thoughts after those first issues. Now you, you haven't, because this is, that was phase one. You haven't gotten to, there are a whole host of other titles that have come out subsequent to that. There's X factor. Yes. There's Helians, Hellions, Helians. Yeah. Uh, there's Wolverine again. Um, Wolverine was a victim of the COVID though. I think Wolverine only has like four issues. Um, in light of some of them have 11, uh, X Factor has two. Uh, to be honest, I have them all, and I'm going to read them. Nice, nice. Yeah. Now that said, as we alluded at the beginning of this conversation, on a personal level, and I've said this to our in our Patreon previous videos the last two months, I am bummed that they're doing X of Swords. Now, I I am a mutant mark. I I have read the majority of Marvel's mutant books throughout the last 25 years, regardless of their quality. And so I doth protest too much, but because each book is so distinct, I have no issue with there being an underlying kernel of story that Hickman oversees. That's cool. And I think we're down for that, but I just don't love that 
we now have almost three months of books where there's a reading list and chronologically it's 22 chapters and it's through every title. And I, I, I just find that offensive because I think that one of the things that had plagued the X universe for a long time was title creep and people thought they lost the narrative. And we heard from so many people during house of X powers of 10, how thrilled they were that after this awesome event, they knew that they could read Hickman's X-Men book and it would be the place they could go to read about the X-Men. Yeah. Well, I'm still in that fresh state. No, I understand that. And and, and if you're, if you're just going to stick to that vein, then, then totally cool. But at the same time, very much now we're being told that no, no, you got to read them all because there's this this huge event that you need to partake, participate in, and, and that blows because even even someone like me who tends to read most of them, uh, w- I wouldn't be reading a few of those titles like you said. I, I, I wouldn't, and and now I'm I'm either going to have to just hope that those issues of the 22 issues I skipped won't affect my ability to appreciate the story or i'm gonna have to bite the bullet and and buy them which i'm not planning on doing so yeah i mean events big two comics they're never gonna go away so i guess we should stop complaining about them but i'm a little bummed because i feel like hickman has been off to such a great start and when i say hickman i mean because he's the show runner i understand there are lots of other writers involved but but uh i kind of get the sense that nothing theoretically speaking nothing that has happened in a mutant title in the last year has not been at least tacitly approved beforehand by Hickman. So until I hear otherwise from powers that be, I'm going to say it's the Hickman verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people forget, uh, because the, the word X-Men doesn't flow off my mouth, uh, you know, out of my mouth too often. I read the entirety of the Claremont run. Sure. Right. As did we all. And I read it for a lot of years after that. And, to, to to be honest, how much of it do I remember? Like the the storylines were so convoluted. Um, yeah, Inferno. Like I remember the peaks, Hellfire Club. You know uh, the, the 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 those moments that just were creatively rich. Uh, but for the most part, like there's there's a lot of fluff and detritus in the X Men universe. Days of Future Past. Hell yeah, right. But the, for every Days of Future Past, then you had. You know the the crappy, I don't know. I may step on toes, but like the the extended fall of the mutants thing. Like what? It just went on forever. Check yourself. I know, but for the most part, um, I don't remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I I want to get a coherent, concise narrative going. That's I'm sure that's what Hickman wanted. Let's just consolidate all this stuff, make it easily digestible, make sense of this universe, and take it from there. And he did that. It's just that you run the risks of all that going away when corporate comics do what corporate comics do. So we'll see. But um, the the best thing that Marvel could have done for a goofball like me is Dawn of X. That's, That's great. That I think that format was amazing. Here you go. Here's the first issue of all the books. Read it. Volume two. Here's the second issue of all the books. Awesome. I'm down. I don't have to wonder what I'm reading, when I'm reading it, in what order I'm reading it. Just take the second volume of this compilation, this anthology of X books, and read it. You're done. It's so smart. I don't need a, a reading list or a checklist or anything. Just pick volume two up. 
It reminds me of the, uh, well, you mentioned it last time, the cross-gen stuff. Forward, exactly. I mean, here's just, here's just a bunch. Here's an anthology of first issues, basically. Yeah. And, well, at and, least it's in order. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the mistake that, well, not the mistake, but that was the preventive measures that cross-gen took from allowing their readers to just buy the compilations at the expense of the singles. They wanted you to buy the singles. But and Marvel's also didn't I mean, work out that way. I'm pretty sure. I I, I know there've been subsequent um, Dawn of X collections, but I do believe they're also just publishing collections of the actual ongoing series. So so they are, yeah. if you don't get X Men number one in this Dawn of X, you'll get it in the first X Men collection with the first five or six issues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. if they if they do hardcovers. Um, I will buy Marauders and X-Force because uh, yep. love the story in Marauders and the art's not bad uh, uh, who does it? Uh, Angulian does the art in uh, Marauders? no no oh no no uh, uh, Matteo Lali oh Matteo yeah. yes Matteo yep. I mean the art's the art's really really good but this uh, Joshua Kassara, oh my God! Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'd I'd cut an arm off to get something from listener him. of the show. So what up to he, to Josh? No, Shout he's out. so damn good, so beautifully organic. Like I love the line on this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And and I would take a big old dookie on Simon Kudransky's heart. No diggity. Yeah, he ru- I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to poop on the guy, but whatever. Uh, For I mean, me to poop on. Yeah, it, it, there's just it's like, hey, I'm glad you're getting work. Just stop doing it on things I'm reading. Exactly. For reals though. He, he comes reals. on Spawn, you want to flee. He comes on Superman, you want to run. Yeah. Like stop. Just I mean, I, maybe it's not a, a style that to which I'm attuned, and it's obviously not. But there may be people who do like the guy stuff. Absolutely. I, I, I would have loved to read Spider-Man 2099. Wasn't touching that with a ten foot. Yeah. No. And it was the. I mean, th- this was the first Punisher run. I didn't uh... exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't read yeah, the first that speaks of. volumes right there. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I heard he's fast for what it's worth. He's got to be. He's got like <laughs> three books between both publishers. Shit, and yeah. he must be the nicest dude ever. I Absolutely. know, and, I'm, and it makes me feel bad, but I just I'm not inspired. Yes. I'm I'm right. just inspired to close the book. That's it. So yeah, a worthwhile experience. Uh, the instigating factor was to try and get Jason to smile a little bit, uh, but in 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 the long run, I'm very glad that I read them. Yes, sir. Because it's open doors. Very happy. Yeah. Can we dive into the book of the moment? Sure. Batman: The Three Jokers, number one. Yes. By written by Jeff Johns with art by Jason Fabok, Nation of Jasons. Shout out. Um, this definitely. A super hot book one of those those speculator specials people all about about it um uh i am not the batman um fan that you both are just in terms of of the, the years and quantity of story of batman that, that you, we've each read like i've read i guess i'm in, it's a very awkward way of saying i've read less batman comics than you all have yeah, um, I think we both take a backseat to David. No, for sure, for yeah. sure. But I mean, I think I think you both would lap me, is what I'm saying. True, I, true. Uh, right. Um, so I am very curious to hear both of your thoughts on this, but I will say 
before we dive in, because it's a meaty issue, a lot happens. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. There were little things that had me raising an eyebrow or saying Dufuk, which means I'm guessing there were major issues for Tap, because <laughs> we know how he is about his, his, his preciouses. Um, <laughs> but 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 if, if you can look past those things, and maybe you can't, I don't know. Um, I did enjoy it. Uh, um, lots of questions, which I think is the point. I'm supposed to have lots of questions after the first issue. Uh, I'm here for the idea of it, mm-hmm. which again, I'm not sure. It may the very idea of it may be a, a deal breaker for some, but I would push back on that. That if the idea of there being multiple people who profess to be the Joker at the same time is a problem, I'm not quite sure why you read the issue in the first place. Because that wasn't a spoiler, right? Like we knew that was the premise of the book. Um, I, after reading the first issue, I have no earthly idea what's going on, and that's good because I know that that's how Jeff Johns writes when he's at his best. Right? He he gives you a mystery at the start. He has some fun with the quiet moments of DC history where he's. Not retconning what you already know, but he's filling in white space that was there to be filled in. And then he gives you the conclusion. And and, and to be clear, sometimes people aren't happy with the conclusion. But as a writer, I, I don't think that's his job. I think his job is to tell his story and to hook you in and then to give you a payoff. And I think this very much felt like a Jeff Johns uh, first issue in that regard. And um, yeah, I'm here for it, man. Like, I'm definitely here for it. Lots of questions. Like I said, some little nit nitpicks that that certainly didn't take away from my enjoyment of the story overall. But I did notice as I was reading it, and uh, and yeah, I'm 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 in I'm I'm in for it. Well, before Dap dives in, I have to admit um, there is a massive uh, level of intimidation with this book with me. Okay, because uh, like yourself. Um, going in, I don't have instant recall with facts and f- significant figures and, and, and significant incidents in the bat mythos. Um, I, I remember a lot of them, but this book requires you to remember or at least recall very specific events in the Joker mythology. And I'm I'm reading it. And I'm like, okay, I remember that. I don't remember that. Um, when did that happen? And it it has the makings of a classic Batman um, storyline in the fact that it it stresses that Batman is first and foremost a detective, right? He needs to figure this out. So. In tandem with all the great stuff from Denny O'Neill and the writers that pushed the the detective aspect of Batman, I think this is going to work really well with those. Right now, I'm a bit confused with certain plot points. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to give Johns the benefit of the doubt. Um, full confession: We read this today, so oh, there, sure, yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't a whole lot of time to dwell upon these plot points. So this is a knee-jerk initial reaction to this issue, which is um, longer than your standard size. Um, I think Jeff Johns should take a checkbook out and 
write a nice little plump check to Morin Gibbons because he's milking the shit out of the nine-panel grid, which is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a good format, right? But I conceptually, I think it's neat that you have three Jokers and you have three characters on the side of the light that have been wounded in some massive way by the Joker, Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd. Makes perfect sense to me. Conceptually, um, in, in, in terms of the raw data, it makes sense. But there's something I'm not, I'm not getting here that I, maybe I'm thinking too hard on how or why three different versions of the Joker can exist simultaneously. I don't know. But I thought it was fun. I'll be honest, there are times when a lot of it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but if you're going to see a tiny person eaten by a shark, that's fun, right? I mean, I'll be superficial. Very fun. Dude. Yeah, I can be superficial with the best of them. But it just seems like he's covering the bases. You have the 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 Batgirl, um, the killing joke bat, uh, Joker in here. You have the traditional uh, Clown Pits, Prince of Crime Joker. I mean, it, conceptually, it makes sense. But I don't think it's fair... Um, to the work to try and critically approach this when it's only one of however many it's good. What is it? Three or four issues. I don't know, but it just seems like you're watching the first, you're, you're experiencing the first act of a X act work. And you're going to try and make a creative assessment based on the first act. It doesn't work. It falls short. You don't have all the information, right? For what it is, I thought it was good, but I would be totally honest. A lot of it didn't – a good chunk of it didn't connect with me, meaning mm-hmm. that research is required. Like right. you, there there are plot points in here that I, was, oh, I, I need to check this out because I, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on this. Um, yeah, we all know the the origin of the Joker. We know the the ties to the Red Hood. We we know those things, but there are specifics in this issue that uh, escaped me a little bit. Before Dap goes, let me just politely push back on on what you're saying about judging it on the first issue. I mean, we went balls deep on Doomsday Clock number one, sure, like panel for panel. So yes, I don't think it's unreasonable to talk about the first issue, especially because it's hot on everybody's. Mind. No, it's not unreasonable, sure, but to say that you know this somehow suffers or or it it, it, it excels in certain aspects, not sure, having right. not having the I, whole thing in front of you, like I'm following that. Yeah. yeah, you know where Doomsday Clock went. I mean, it was the 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 peak of issue ten, but some of it just didn't really work. But totally. I, and I I think there is an excessive amount of time devoted to the myriad ways in which the Joker and the rogues gallery have inflicted pain on the bad family. Like sure. what is it? The first like six, seven pages is just yeah. let's all see the, the ramifications of what Batman and company do. And it's just like stabbed and poked and prodded and cut and ble- like it, it was a litany of just how many ways can you, can you maim the human body, which I guess it's an occupational hazard, but six, eight pages of it? Okay. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought that the... I'm sorry, just because I'm going to set you up for this, Dap. I thought one of the things that I thought, oh, David might not like this, is the the issue opens up where Batman is coming back from a mission. He's been attacked. 
uh, Alfred is patching him up. And like you said, there's all these panel flashbacks to different points when Batman was injured by different villains. And we're, we're shown his body is ravaged with scars and burns. And he's basically completely disfigured from the neck down. Um, I mean, he's, he's just covered from, from neck to, to, to ankle with, with, with scarring. And I found that very interesting because it makes sense and and it would it would it would fit into the if Batman was real kind of thing. But then I thought, wow, I mean, it's cool for the story, but man, I mean, we've seen Batman Bruce Wayne without his shirt many times, and I don't know that I've ever seen anyone else draw him this way. And it would be hard for him to. I mean, this is superhero comics so it's silly to say like how does he keep his secret identity but you know if if homeboy is this billionaire playboy that beds all these beautiful women and professes to act like the fool and 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 this irresponsible uh, you know fly by night kid I, I i struggle with how many women he could sleep with before they're like why the fuck is your entire body scarred dude like what the hell's up with that you know so like I thought it was an interesting thing. Again, didn't affect me, my ability to enjoy the story at all. But I'm not a guy who has a lot of hardcore embedded nostalgia DNA for what Batman should be either. So right. just I curious have, if that bothered you or Dad. Just before, I have one question. Alfred has both hands and he's alive. So I think that is a byproduct of this story being really delayed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha, and a, a pretty lousy comb over. But the um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how many women Bruce is betting these days. And, and granted, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if 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 back in the '80s, if he's going out with supermodels and whatnot, yeah, th- this would draw some attention. Um, but I think now it would be smart enough to write it so that he never actually did sleep with anyone. He just, he paid them off for the night. It's like, yeah, go ahead, tell the paparazzi, you know, whatever you want. I have a small dick. I was great, whatever. But and back then, yeah. And and I mean, we know Wolverine's been scarred up. We've no, we, well, he we know Captain America. He does, but but there's still some some scarring. But um, there's, of course, he's hairy. But I'm pretty sure if 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 you saw other heroes, I mean, from a distance, you wouldn't see every little scar. But yeah, it, it's I mean, here it, it's obviously for. Um, for emphasis to make sure you see just how much battle damage he's he's gotten over the years. I was surprised a little bit to find out that this was a standard size format comic. Um, I showed up at the shop last week and it wasn't the black label magazine format that uh, Superman and Wonder Woman and, and Harley and any other black label books have been. Um, and... I think, yeah, I think it's either three or four issues. So as far as going deep on Doomsday Clock, there were multiple issues where, you know, if if, if we thought the first issue was padded, it, good or bad, they still have a little more issues to get to the end of the story here. He's got to be um, a little quicker than that. But um, I thought this was, I I've always liked, Jason's artwork. Um, this reminds me of when Lee Weeks came on the scene following John Romita 
on Daredevil. It was like he's he's doing like a mashup of JRJR and David Mazza Kelly, and it works. It looks great for for Daredevil. And Lee Week still kind of reminds me in some respects of John Romita Jr. But here, Jason reminds me a hell of a lot, except for the one Mike Mignola panel of uh, Jason Gary Frank. And that's whether that's deliberate, that's his new style, or he's he's trying to kind of maybe follow up Doomsday Clock. I can't say. You could tell it's Jason, but there are some lines where I, I, I see more Gary Frank here than I have in his Justice League work or anything else, the Swamp Sing story, anything else he's done over the years. I It it stuck out to me a little bit more than, uh, than usual. I love all the Easter eggs. I love walking through the Batcave and, and seeing the starfish and seeing all the uniforms in the tubes. Um, I think... And it was it, it's it's like six pages because it's one two because it's it, the third page is is just him and the Joker but the other two previous pages are um are other Rogues members. I am as far as Robins go. Um, I know you hate Jason. I it's it really is a tie for last between Jason and Damien. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Larry is so. <laughs> I, I, it's weird. I, I just, you know, so I mean, but I get it. I get it why he would be important to the story. Yes. Joker ended his life. Um, so it's, it's absolutely fitting. And, and I think, I think based on the way the Red Hood has been recently, um, his actions in this issue, uh, didn't seem out of place for me. And can you elaborate on that? Cause I admittedly have no clue what the Red Hood is up to. Um, he, he's basically the Red Hood right now is a, um, as the Red Hood, he's a bad guy. He's a villain, um, basically going after, um, other mobs and crime families. And basically he's basically Robin Hood and, and, but he's not giving his, he's not giving the shit away. He's saving it for himself. So all the weapons, all the money, everything that he, he steals from the people who stole, um, he's keeping it. So this way he can, you know, keep, keep his war on crime going um so he doesn't have a bruce wayne trust fund no not that uh not that i'm aware of yeah bruce is a dick that that is cold bruce is straight warren buffett in the motherfucker hey i mean you know act right maybe you'll get something but god damn the um and and he's 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 hanging out with with bizarro and and the crew over with, with with the outlaws so um but then even early on with the new 52 where it's him and, and Arsenal or the old speedy. And when they fucked up Starfire, like that was, that was just that attitude, that mentality, the character had it, 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 it kept going. I, my issues with, with Jason Todd post-crisis aside, um, you know, it's, it's, he just, he, he kind of embodies on the page that, that, those traits that I don't find very endearing. And I mean, the entitled folks in real life, but I mean, even, even someone who was, um, you know, trained by the Batman and, and, um, had, this was was slightly more aggressive than Dick Grayson was. I mean, for, for Batman, he wanted a Dick Grayson replacement, basically. Um, that's not who Jason Todd ended up being. And, and, um, and yeah, his his attitude 
cost him. And, um, and, and, and it's weird. I don't know. I do not know right now if this, and, and this is the other thing, because it is a black label book. And like Vince pointed out with Alfred, um, I, and because it is three jokers we're looking at, I don't know how, um, deep in actual current DC canon this is. And, um, I mean, obviously it's not an Elseworlds tale, but it's it's. I'm not sure. Um, My understanding it is it is intended to be 100% in canon. That's what I thought. And that was before it was a black label book, and and I guess right. it is a black label book. And right. They can go a little crazy with the language, right. um, so maybe that's all the black label uh, label offers. But um, the if if this Jason Todd is the same Jason Todd that came back when Superboy punched a wall and brought him back way back when, um, then in my head, as I'm waiting to see how the story plays out, I'm not trying to say this is where it's going, but in my head I'm thinking, okay, so there there are a couple ways this can play out for me. Um, He's going to go back, and what what, what Johns is doing is, is he's taking that idea when Jason Todd came back because of the events from, um, from infinite crisis. And maybe that's why we have three jokers kind of using that, that same logic or because this is a Joker story. If this is all just in Joker's head. And, and I don't know if that that people might feel that that's a cop out. If it does come to, I I doubt it is, but if, if it is that, and, you know, it's still an entertaining story, but if it's just a Joker story where they're trying to explain how the Joker has changed over the years, um, who better to tell that story than the Joker? And and um, and we're just along for the ride. Well, I, I don't know how closely this is plotted with other the works of other authors, but uh, Superboy Prime is in Death Metal. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if I, so even. Um, but again, I mean, I, it is my I, understanding that Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns aren't exactly collaborative partners. I didn't and, think so, but I'm just and saying. I think, <laughs> I, I think Snyder can kind of. I mean, just like Johns was able to do a decade ago, I think Snyder can do whatever kind of he wants to do with with DC properties, and just you can either say that that's just happening over there, and so be it. They can pick and choose over the years what what actually mattered as time goes on. But I'm not. Yeah, whatever. Right. And again, because it is a black label book, whatever is happening. Um, and and what's happening in death metal doesn't necessarily mean that's what's reflecting what's happening in in some of the other uh, DC titles. But it's um, I as a fan of the Killing Joke as much as one can be a fan of of of, of the horrors of that story, um, and being there when Death in the Family was occurring i i appreciate some of those memories coming back and and not rewarding is not the right word but but just appreciating that this is a nod to stories that happened before and and it that that helps establish why these characters are so so intertwined um could could we just oh i'm sorry no no go ahead no, I was going to say for our listeners who maybe haven't read it, could we maybe just give it's actually a fairly simple premise. 
Batman was wounded. Like I said, he's being tended to. But as he's watching his 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 screens and computers, they see that there are three murders on the same night, uh, all seemingly by the Joker. And and what I mean by that is that each one is done in such a way that it's the Joker was people witnessed it happen. So one was a comedian that used to impersonate Batman uh, was killed on stage. Uh, another was uh, three people who worked at the um, chemical factory where Joker's origin happened were killed. And then the last was um, – help me out. What was the last one? Um, I'm trying to think what the third murder was. Um, well, I, I can't I can't. The, uh, the No, I was just going to say the comedian. Uh, the third murder was the guys with the red hoods, right? No, those that was the that was the factory. That was, that, they that was the factory. Of, yeah. Um, I can't remember what the third one was. Well, I, either way, the point is there were three murders on the same night at the same time, and so all being claimed to be have done by the Joker, and Batman is investigating it, and um, along with the the Gotham PD, and they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, Batgirl and Red Hood, Jason Todd, also get involved, and. Usually Batman is like, I'll handle this myself when it comes to the Joker. But for some reason, he says, I need your help this time because there haven't ever been three Jokers before. And the only thing I'll say, Dap, to your point about the maybe it's on his head and stuff is, I mean, we get that scene where the three Jokers in question meet up in what looks to be like a ramshackle old like, mm-hmm. cabin. And they're having a conversation. And, and the one says, well, let's and I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the book in front of me. But says, okay, it's it's time to make another Joker. Like, let's you get the you get the bats going, you get the chemical. Like, so so it's it implies as though they are in the the business of creating turning people yeah. into a Joker for a given yeah. mission. And so that's where I'm left wondering, like, okay, I mean, I was more intrigued by some of those things than I was the 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 climax of the book which seemed very much on brand, which is Jason Todd doing what Batman never would. And yeah, right. I mean, I wasn't surprised by that in the least, I guess you're supposed to gasp at that, but I thought, wasn't that the whole point? Isn't, isn't the whole point of Jason and Red Hood is that he's willing to be violent and kill. I mean, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's what everybody says Batman should have done over the years. Uh, it's, I mean, and, and even, even as, as much as she tried to in quote, stop him, um, Barbara missed with the Batarang, and and she could have very easily uh, ricocheted the bullet or or, or knocked Joker yeah. off balance. Um, Best scene in the she book. Did. Best scene in the book by far. I I do like the idea. I don't know if I like the idea, but I I do. Um, I can. I, I based on on characters and age and what they go through, and even though you know Batman is the same guy. Um, in, in this universe, if if the Joker is a franchise where someone always there's always going to be a Joker, and and so, um, which is weird that even when he's in Arkham, then uh, another Joker isn't out committing crimes, but um, for whatever reason, we're getting at least three Jokers all in one place uh, for a story, and and. Yeah, the the one the one who looks to be in charge does seem to be slightly older. Um, he's the clown, he's the clown prince of crime. He's like the right the OG like the, he's the 
He's the laughing. He's the OG of the three. The, the yeah. laughing fish. He's the Denny O'Neill, I would think. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. And the the second crime was the Moxon uh, crime family. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's weird that they that the killing joke Joker is so. I, I mean, I understand why he would be a part of this, and 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 it makes sense with with Barbara's inclusion. But um, I mean, it was a one issue. It was it was it was a one shot. And, and when you think of other Jokers over the years, um, it's. I mean, I'm glad it's not the one who ripped his own face off. I'm glad it's none of the Jokers. We, that have been we, maybe not yet, right? We may see them, right? Well, yeah. Now, see, uh, when when you say that, I. I got. I gotta disagree. I think the the Joker and the Killing Joke is the most despicable Joker we've yeah, seen. Yeah, I agree. He is. No, no, no. And, and he's iconic. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, but 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 when it comes to, but I'm talking about like as as prolific as other Joker. Like we've had particular Jokers over the years that that have kind of looked the same, and 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 they've showed up and and wreaked havoc in Batman's world. This was a Joker who was just there 48 pages, and I mean, they were great 48 pages, and 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 you know it. It's the reason why um, I think it catapulted him to to being as as despicable as he can be. But it's just it. it I'm thinking about page count, and it, that's why I just it's he's absolutely he absolutely fits here. It's just when compared to other Jokers over the years, yeah. uh, not that I want to see the one from you know World's Finest with the big puffy cheeks and 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 riding on a a missile, to, you know. But it's it fits again. It fits because of the story, and and it absolutely fits the look because that that's a freaking looking image. The the with, with fucking Panama hat and the and, and and the Hawaiian shirt and just and, and that smile peeking out from underneath it. It's 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 freaky. So, one of the, one thing that this issue did um, made me it made me think um, fairly long and hard about was the uh, the transgressions that the Joker has perpetrated on the Bat family and how they line up. And I think by far, Barbara got it the worst than everyone. 100%. He, yes, he killed Jason. He killed, quotes, Jason Todd. But the moment that last crowbar came down, that was it. His pain was over. He crippled Barbara. He He posed her in provocative positions and photographed her. Um, he gave her like, until they, you know, made her walk again, he gave her a lifetime of pain. And what did she do? She turned it into something good. She became Oracle. She rose to the challenge and, you know, a nice stiff middle finger to the Joker. Like you thought you got me, you didn't get me. I'm, I'm more than this. But as far as hurt and pain and, and just plain despicable deeds, I think Barbara got the stickiest end of the stick with, with uh, as far as the Joker goes. Jason had it relatively easy. He died. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, Barbara had to live with it. I do think um, the Clown Prince is not the one sitting down at the table. The Clown Prince is the one with the laughing fish and the acid sprouting flower yeah. that's the one who jason kills yeah the og right. the OG okay. sitting at yeah. the table that's not that i'm just i because i was yes but all right so um we when 
Bruce and Barbara decide to go and follow the ambulance because one of the three at Ace Chemicals um, isn't dead. Gets in an ambulance and uh, Batman and, and Batgirl tail it to the hospital. Um, they never make it to the hospital because Red Hood is in the ambulance to extract information from the survivor. Um, and once Batman gets involved, he um, has some stern words for Jason, but more or less um, they decide to, uh, the three of them work together to, uh, to find out what's next, realizing you know, everybody's keeping information from each other as, as, as the bad family is wont to do. But then, uh, and that's when we cut to before you the, move um, on. Yep. Do you think the scene where Batman breaks into the ambulance is an homage to Jim Lee? Because that pose looks a <laughs> lot yes. like yeah. all-star yeah, Batman and sure. Robin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the sole of the boot. The, the boot, just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was either thinking that or Hush, but yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, I mean, and that's, and, and that's a cool image. I, I like, um, see, and this is, yeah, I, I just, I mean, I'm glad we got the, the yellow oval back on the chest and it's a flashlight uh, or chest light. But the, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is a different costume than what he had. And I, don't, I don't know what the costume is in the current Batman book. I remember what what, what, what Tom ended his run with. But, um, you know, obviously Batman's outfit changes depending on the story. But the... Um, once our heroes decide on what the plan of attack is going to be and, and, and they follow the clues, um, because when Jason was attacked earlier in the issue, um, one of the uh, one of the hooligans that was attacking him had a wrench. Um, the wrench was clean, but it had traces of seawater. And, uh, and the Gotham Aquarium has been closed for a couple of days because of uh, water main failure. So they show up at... Um, the Gotham Aquarium, and there's a whole bunch of laughing fish in the tank. There's a huge ass laughing shark in the tank, and um, and that's when some weird, well, a court jester uh, who goes by Gaggy, who I'm not familiar with at all. Girlfriend um, with that name once. See, I'm not to get in the gag. So the um, and and a bunch of uh, Biff, Pow, Bam, hoods try to take on our heroes. Um, doesn't go all too well, and um, they end up capturing this Joker, um, the Clown Prince. So Batman leaves Red Hood and Batgirl with him um and 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 jason's still got to make it look good because he's like oh oh his his uh the, the chemicals man they uh they messed up my eyesight i couldn't uh my, my lenses were fogging up i i would have you know i would have taken him out i would have kicked his ass it's like bro, like you're 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 the most immature 20 something year old 30 something year old i know like how just it's all right man take the win the guy's down mm. don't worry about it um by the way, Dap uh, Gaggy is Gagsworth, a Gagsworthy. 
He appeared <laughs> in Batman number 186 back in Jeez. 1966, created by Gardner Fox and Sheldon Moldoff. He was Joker's right-hand man in the episode and was sent on a mission to steal original first edition items of different antiques with historical value. And then it says that uh, later on in Batman 682, it was revealed that he was a tightrope walker in the circus until the flying Graysons were hired. And then he was forced <laughs> until he, and then he was forced to become a clown and he always resented it. All connected. It's all connected. Well, Got to love retcons, baby. Web of life. Yep. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's Jeff digging in the crates. I love it. Um, so Batman tells the younglings to, uh, stay with him, prep him for transport. He's, um, Batman's going to, uh, go meet up with Gordon because Gordon and his men have cornered Joker number two at 17th and Broadway. Um, and you have the razor blade playing cards falling out of the cuffs of his, uh, of his sleeves, which were used earlier in the issue during the Batman flashback. There's the acid flower, which was shown earlier in the flashback. And, um, all Jason wants to do is put a bullet in this dude's head. Um, and as far as getting in heads, that's exactly what Joker does. And, and he, he just really, those are probably some of my favorite pages. He just rips right in. He, he just, Mind fucks with Jason, and 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 I'm here for it. And it was, um, and Barbara's got nothing to do, but she she just has to stand there and 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 watch it unfold, um, pleading with Jason to put the gun down, and um, he ain't hearing it. I mean, he's hearing plenty because again, Joker's getting in his head, um, and and he's ready to to pull the trigger, and and Barbara, Barbara kicks him, knocks him down, or not knocks him away. But he's he's still able to um, take aim. She throws the batarang at the gun. Looks like it kind of just bounces off the gun. Doesn't um, don't know if you know he was aiming for the head or if it was going to be a kill shot, but uh, or if she helped it along. But in any event, we get a nice panel of uh, of the bullet going through the other side of Joker's head, um, falling to the ground. Barbara's stunned. Um, she asked Jason, the hell did you do? And he said, I ended it. And, and they, she, she, she just cannot believe. She's like, I didn't, I didn't want this. Cause Jason's like, you, you wanted it just as badly as I did, especially after everything you did to you. She's like, I didn't want this. And he's like, well then when's the last time you missed? Barbara and she turns around and she notices the bat batarang in the wall. She pulls it. How dare you? Yes, she looks down, tears in the eyes. Screw you, Jason. Turns around as a one eighty walks out. Jason's left alone with a bloody head, and he says, "Man, I hope that's the right one." And I hope it isn't, but it's it's uh, it would fade to black. And it was. It's. I mean, it 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 ends on a um. It ends in a way that you need to find out what happens in the next issue. I, I, I the creative team was um, 
pedal to the metal with this one. I, I, I thought they did a great job with, with what they were working with. Much respect to Jason Todd. Much respect. I would have done mm. exactly the same thing. I think I think most of us would, which is why um Got to admire I, I, Bruce's I, restraint. That's the thing. Like we know Spider-Man wouldn't do this. We know no, Superman, like we no, know no, we no. know heroes. But do right, in right. a war which is what they're in, in a war against an enemy that has proven himself to be ruthless to do the things that you would not do it only makes sense to take him out yeah compassion and rehabilitation yeah, no, and works. that's all bullshit because he's gonna no he's gonna get out and do it again so what? you take that step and you eliminate it from ever happening again it reduces you to the level of an animal sure but and well, he, and sometimes he, he, animals are, are better than Whatever, Jason has said it before. But, I mean, logistically, in order for this stuff to never happen again, you remove the piece from the playing field. And D- Done. And, I mean, you removed a piece because we know there's well, more yeah, than the but, yeah. but the thing is, it's he, he executed a man who was shackled to a chair, who wasn't... And, and, I mean, yeah, you could say whatever you want. He was he was fucking with him with words, but you know, he he wasn't a threat. And but that still still that doesn't that doesn't <laughs> negate the fact that the Joker is a is a vile, reprehensible individual. Yeah, you don't give the Joker a sporting chance. That's what is that? Well, the, no. And of of all the characters to do this, it would have to be like I couldn't. I I Green Arrow. As much as he would love to, I don't see Green Arrow taking that step. So I mean, they're just there. There aren't, um, you know. I mean, there's Vigilante. There's 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 Peacemaker. I mean, there's there are characters who would step over that line, but um, you know, it 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 makes sense for it to be Jason. I I this, there isn't no there's no closure with this. I mean it it's all and it's not it, it's not going to stop the nightmares. All he did is prevent this particular joker, this particular person from harming more people. And 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 that's fine. And if that's I mean if he if, if him taking this life saves one then you could say it was worth it. But um it's still it's I can't see. I just. I. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. I just don't want to see the whole. Oh, it's. It's Jason Todd's redemption. I don't. I. I, I miss me with that shit. I just want. I. I. I'm. I'm fine with the way it ended. I. I think I just kind of little. Might have just a smaller problem, um, with, with giving this dude props for that. And and that's. But that's my baggage. That that that's my feelings towards this character. But yeah, I mean, it, it, if anything, because. I would probably be cheering for, for the battered wife who finally throws the husband down the stairs. You know, it's like, it's like, that's good for you. You got it back. I mean, that's sweet revenge. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, this was, it wasn't a senseless killing. It's just, it's, it's, um, and it, was, I, it was instigated by the Joker too. Yeah. Yeah. He did yeah, it to himself. Which is what he does. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it, but I'm not absolving uh, Jason of any wrongdoings. 
I just, I think it was the best choice when faced with all of the possible repercussions of not doing it. I think it's better to err on the side of, of, um, the malicious than to let all the stuff that could happen, happen. You, you just take them out. Maybe I'm cold. I don't know. No, we've seen what happens when you don't take them out. We've got decades of it. You know, I, I, I absolutely get it. I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't, so. But we know that, like you said, this is the first issue. So you know, there's a lot more here. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm along for the ride. I'm curious to see what comes of it. There are also little moments that intrigued me. For example, when Batgirl and Batman are leaving the scene of the murder. Um, Commissioner Gordon is has the thought bubble and says, you don't have to do this, Barbara. And then a page or two later, Batman says to her, does he know? And she's like, of course not. And it's like, okay, why does Batman think he knows? And two, clearly we're meant to be focused on that, that he does. We know that he does know. And so I'm again wondering that must play in later. I mean, the fact that he knows no, no, that wasn't that. That wasn't Gordon. That wasn't Gordon's thought bubble. That was that was Batman asking, "You don't need to do this, Barbara." And then the next page, the top panel, you think I'm going to let you go after that maniac alone? Oh, okay, I misread it. I like it better my way. Okay, whatever. <laughs> no, I do too. I do that. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Never mind. All right, good. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. but they. I mean, Gordon's in the foreground of that panel. Why would they put Gordon in the foreground and have a have a thought? caption that's not Gordon for for the next scene i mean no it's it's and it's just it's just clunky it's a little clunky yes 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 yeah i'm i vote for they should have waited till all this was done and released it in one shot because there is no way in hell that i'm not going to have to revisit this when issue two comes out with the i mean you don't think there's there's gonna be any sort of um Regular schedule with this? Oh, regardless, if there even if there is, I, okay. I I would have loved to see however many issues in one shot. That way, you can digest the whole thing, and you know, get your little red string and put it on the wall and draw all the the connections and the arrows and and appreciate the the story for what it is, having read it. I don't you know. know. I, normally, I'm all about that. I this is one where I think I might just need to digest it a bit before jumping onto the next chapter. Like I said, I'm here for it. I, I I think because the premise is fairly straightforward, at least with the first issue, I'm good. I, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the second issue, and um, let's go. Yes. Yeah, that was good. It, it was it was uh, actually. MS schools. No, it, it was actually I, – I don't know what I expected, but um, I, I thought it was uh, intriguing. So as a Batman story uh, in the detective mode should be. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else we got? There's something that was – I um, I guess I padded out one of my orders Um not too long ago, because I know it had to have been half price from from DCBS. But um, this is a uh, this is pretty much an all ages. Uh, it's it's the smaller graphic novel trade paperback format that Marvel has. But this is Spider Man and Venom Double Trouble, uh, and it is 
written by Mariko Tamaki with art by um, Guru Hiru and who did recently um, Superman Smashes the Clan. That's the bulk of it. That was a five-issue miniseries um, that they did. There's a few pages towards the end that uh, collects two stories from the Marvel Superhero Adventures, that old Cartoon Network cartoon from with the characters, short characters with the big heads. Uh, it was pretty funny. It was it was a humorous cartoon, but uh, this is this is a story where it's absolutely not set in in any sort of continuity. It's it's a uh, it's a funky. I don't even know if they're going to revisit this universe of these characters. This is a world where Spider Man and Venom are roommates, and. Ghost Spider is their downstairs neighbor. And it's a world where when Spider-Man's making dinner or Spider-Man's going to bed, they're always in costume. There's no, there's no appearance by Peter Parker. He goes to bed, he's wearing his outfit, and Venom sneaks into his bedroom so they can swap bodies. And, and it becomes a whole kind of Freaky Friday kind of thing. But I, I absolutely adored... Um, the writing on this, the, the the way the way the characters interacted with each other, especially the um, the caption boxes setting up the scenes and, and who the characters are, I absolutely love the art. Spider Man is wearing the traditional red and blue, but it kind of looks like he's wearing um, Guy Gardner's boots. The because uh, because he's got some thick calves, man, and the the image of Venom, the the script. The rendition here is um, slightly different than what we're used to. Gwen is probably Spider Gwen. Ghost Spider is is uh, the most um, true to uh, to the original to, to the source material. But Venom wanted to swap bodies with Spider Man so that he could. Um, Join or, or participate in the Battle of Heroes, which is which is a uh, which is a game show, and and the sweet sweet prize he's after um, is a uh, is a matter manipulator, and we don't know why Venom wants it, but of course Venom can't participate in the game because he's a villain, so that's why he needs. Spider-Man's body, so it's the most silliest thing. And and there are times where even though he swapped his body, you kind of get a Venom face with the red Spider-Man mask with the teeth and 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 the eyes, and then all of a sudden a tongue appears. It's it's really weird looking. But I, I like I said, this was just I sat down, I read it, I finished it. They end up swapping bodies with a squirrel and a cat. Um it's nuts. It's ridiculous, as comics should be, but it looks absolutely fantastic. And uh, the way it ends, it um, it's somewhat open ended, but uh, I I just I, I seriously had a lot of fun with this. And I show you some some variant covers, like from Art Adams. And the one from Art Adams is weird because it's really it's it's the current looking Venom, but he. Um, but then down in the background is is Carnage, and I'm like, why 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 is Carnage on the cover of a comic book for 
kids, but okay, that's cool. Um, it's, um, I, yeah, I really, like I said, I just, I really had a lot of fun with this. The, the two stories at the end deal with responsibility and all the other spider people in, in this universe show up to chip in and, and help out Spider-Man. But all in all, um, it was, uh, it was a good, I don't want to say a few minutes. It was, it was, a, it was a nice time to sit down and, um, and get lost, especially in this artwork. It, it, it's, it's an insane, crazy, it, it's an animated feature kind of tale. Um, story makes absolutely no sense in the real world, but who cares? It, it's, it's, um, I just really, really like the look of it. So yeah, I, I, I if you find it, if, if you come across it and, and you just want to kind of cleanse the palate, um, there are definitely worse things you could read. I definitely recommend it. Sweet, sweet. I just want to quickly touch on something Jason already talked about, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to go deep on it, but I finally got around to reading Gen Pet. Yeah, I'm still waiting on my copy. Uh, written by Damien, illustrated by Alex Fuentes, uh, published by Magnetic, who are going to be a very strong contender should uh, a comic book-themed podcast decide to do an awards show somewhere down the line, just saying. Um, I agree with everything Jason said. I don't remember if you commented on the story, Jason, uh, yeah, in, sure. in depth, but uh, it's real simple. Just to reiterate, you have Robert Kanan is the president of the New York Knicks in 2036. So the guy has a lot of power, a lot of notoriety, a lot of money, and he decides uh, there are a lot of eyes on this dude, and he decides to buy this genetically tweaked organism for his son, uh, hence the title, the Gen Pet, and they can tailor make this creature to uh, very exact specifications, including pairing the DNA of the owner with the creature so therefore the creature will protect the owner which is what robert wants because robert has you know some enemies and especially one enemy uh, who everyone in the book seems to have but long story short i thought the story was great and it visually it looks like it, the art is so wonderfully detailed and complex and and uh, superb levels of detail uh, that it looks like screen captures from an animated feature. That's how amazingly rich and complex the artwork is. But I think the story falls apart in the last couple pages. Mm. Like like I was reading it and I was taking note just how many pages were under my my right thumb. And I'm thinking there's no way they have enough room to wrap this thing up. Like the the pages kept dwindling and dwindling, and I'm like, "All right, doesn't look like this is this continued," and then it gets wrapped up like extremely quickly at the end. And I thought that so you have eighty, ninety, whatever pages of story, and then it gets wrapped up in the last ten pages. Like it just it it, it just it hit too quick, and it there wasn't enough. It's, build up to anything i didn't there was no indication that what was going to happen happened uh until it happened which is i guess nice but it just seems like 
man, we're nearing the end of this. We got to wrap this up. Like there, there, there may not have been a clear cut plan for the ending. Did it seem like it was just really abrupt to you, Jason? Oh, geez. I, I mean, I don't remember feeling that way when I read it, and it's it's been a bit, so I'm going to say no, but well, honestly, yeah. No, it was just basically the, the, the bulk of it is um, uh, not, uh, not Nico, um, Nat. Nat and Louisa trying to get Nico out of confinement. That's a big chunk of the book. And she's training him and they're doing the whole rooftop thing. And, you know, he's falling in love with her and they're having fun. And, and the, the thing with the grandpa, it was just, it was this little nuclear, well, post nuclear family, uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's done. Oh, by the way, I did that thing. Yeah. Which we won't say because David didn't read it, but it just seems like it just, you had this nice chunk of character development and then bang at the end, it, it finished. I don't think it was. A, a super detriment to my enjoyment of the book, but it mm-hmm. just seemed like there was a, it was building up to something that didn't get realized. Maybe somewhere along the line, they thought, all right, we thought we had 200 pages to do this, but we only have 120. So we got right. to curtail it. It just seems like there's, I got the feeling that there was a chunk of the story that maybe had to be jettisoned for, format or length or i don't know i don't know it just seemed very abrupt to me nonetheless it is a visual tour de force um alex fuentes just mangled this thing into just so wonderful heights of of uh the cityscapes are um just amazing the character design is superb and that's another thing you have this wonderful design for nico this gen pet and we don't see a whole lot of them. Like there are big chunks of the book where he doesn't even appear. Like what's true? I, I just, it, it it's baffling to me. So maybe I should reread it. Um, and I, I did read it twice because I thought, all right, maybe I'm missing something. But maybe I, there's something that's just not clicking with me. Tons of space devoted to Nat and Louisa. Great. Um, but it just seems like there was. Something in play that didn't either got pulled at the last minute. I don't know. But you be the judge after you read it. It's a, it's a totally worthwhile read. Um, if you just want to be mesmerized by gorgeous art, check out Gen Pet. But um, I'm still a little bit torn on the story. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's a glowing review. I think everybody should, should buy and read this book. Because art-wise... Uh, I don't want to discount the story that much because maybe I'm just not seeing it, but um, I think it's untouchable visually. It's just amazingly gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's a shit ass review. Sorry, but I, I I I enjoy Gen Pet, even though parts of it are, are a little bit of a head scratcher. But I enjoyed it. That's all that matters. My I got, yeah, it's. It's not a perfect work, I don't think, but maybe I'm not, maybe my perceptions weren't in line with what I, the, the, the creative team wanted me to perceive. I don't Listen, know. Very few things are perfect. Yeah, I don't know. And I have no expectation, expectations going in. I just thought it was, there was like, there's a point in the narrative where this switch gets flipped and it's real close towards the end. And it's like, okay, I didn't see that coming. 
but your, your mileage may vary. I know you were very hot for it. You, you were, you were, you were really looking forward to it you, when it was solicited. You turned me onto it. I, oh, I, I yeah, did, and I, so you had the order, and then you, 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 you called it out in your video and on the show, and then I added it to my order list. Yeah, no, I, I think it should be. Uh, everyone should purchase it and read it because the the visuals are next level. It is amazing what what Fuentes does. In, in every panel is just you can sink, immerse yourself in this in this reality of the book and it the the rooftops are amazing the expressions on the characters faces it's uh it's very manga influenced which is so what right that's cool um and i i i was captivated by the visuals that's why maybe i wasn't really paying too much attention to what was going on i was experiencing it as it happened and then oh story's over like what i okay my schools yeah all right (laughs) But it's it's awesome. Shoo. Yeah. That's a superlative. Shoo. Shoo. <laughs> Try and spell that. I like that in your pill quote. Yeah. So there you pill go. Quote. Mm. All right. Fresh. Should we uh, curtail? Because this was a bonus and we're going to be doing oh, this yeah. again. Yeah. And you know who brought this to you. Our wonderful you did. Patron, no, our wonderful patrons. Well, not you. I'm saying them. You. Them. You. Ones listening. Yes, all of them. The patrons. Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. Stop by, check it out, look and see what we do. If it's in line with what you want to do, then please join us. We would love to have you. You make this and a whole bunch of other stuff possible. Um, check out. If you want more of the 11 o'clock experience, such as it is, go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook, all over the place there. In your travels, you both know what a... I'm as big a mark for Edgar Rice Burroughs as Jason is for the mutant universe. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, I read what I consider the absolute best take on Warlord of Mars that has come out of Dynamite to date. Nice. And it was written by Jeff Parker. No surprise. Jeff's really good at what he does. This is a commingling of the Warlord of Mars and the Mars Attacks franchise. It's called Warlord of Mars Attacks. Pretty simple, right? Why didn't I think of it? Um, It's a five-issue miniseries illustrated by Dean Kotz, color art by Omi Ramalante, it was fabulous. The The visuals, the, the artwork from Dean is the best representation of John Carter that I have seen come out of Dynamite. And it's not, um, it's not super real. It's very fluid, very loose, which is what I loved. He draws the Mars attacks, aliens, mm, chef's kiss. I did it. Mm-hmm. I did that thing. Um, in, in a nutshell, the Mars attacks, aliens in Barsoomian mythology were created by Pew Mogul, which is the villain of John Carter and the Giant of Mars. If you're a fan of Edgar Rice Burroughs and you know a little bit about the history uh, or the backstory of the, the real world situations giving rise to these books, John Carter and the Giant of Mars is heavily contested as not being Edgar Rice Burroughs' work. A lot of people believe that it was actually written by his son, John Coleman Burroughs, because it's not mm. regarded as one of the better books. But 
They mm. just they the the villain doesn't even appear in in Warlord of Mars Attacks. It's just said that Pew Mogul genetically uh created the Mars Attacks aliens who are called moonheads and they're running roughshod over uh Barsoom. Um so Deja Thoris says, We're not gonna beat these guys. I love you, John. Go back to your home planet and I'm gonna take care of things here. And she overloads the uh helium's engines and blows the city to smithereens taking all the mar the moonheads with her so john comes back to earth lies in stasis in that safe house in arizona and then we move on to uh the human goings on and you get this uh dr edgar norman who's doing a mars landing and they drop a, a new lander on the surface of mars and wouldn't you know, the lander jumps into operation and two of the ag, 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 uh, Mars attack aliens walk into frame and they blow the fuck out of the lander. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Dr. Norman had set up this. Um, see, this is one of the first series that really pushes the fact that Mars exists in two states at once. It's like the mm-hmm. particle wave dilemma. Right? Is it a particle? Is it a wave? Yes. Mars exists as the angry dead planet on one hand, and it exists as Barsoom on the other. And the trigger that knocks it into each state of being is usually John Carter. So whenever John goes to Mars, it becomes Barsoom. And when he leaves, it kicks back into the angry dead planet. Very so interesting. That is cool, right? It's a quantum static planet. The um, the doctor, unfortunately, made it possible for the moonheads to come to Earth. So it's from the point where John Carter comes to Earth, um, it's a kind of a buddy picture. They go to Arizona with well, they, meaning Dr. Norman. There's uh, this woman named Maven Keys who works on the project with Dr. Norman. And there's a guy that won an all-expense-paid trip to the Jet Propulsion Labs to see, witness firsthand, the landing of the rover. But he couldn't go, so he gave the tickets to his buddy Ramon. (laughs) So Ramon is along for the ride. And you get these three characters in uh, a convertible going across the country trying to stymie the effects of the uh, the Moonheads and get John Carter back to Barsoom so he can save the day. Uh, Tars Tarkas is in it. Woola's in it. It's a great take on Warlord of Mars and Mars Attacks. But it pushes home not only the, the binary nature of Mars, but the fact that the Mars Attacks aliens as a species are not too smart. Like us, they have isolated pockets of brilliance within their their DNA, but for the most part, they're a bunch of dumb bunnies, and they just follow the head honcho. And if the head honcho fucks up, the whole um, race fucks up. So that's I mean, we we see the Mars attacks in the in the movies and and the, the comics, and they're this despicable, bloodthirsty. They don't care about resources or personal gain. They just want to kill and destroy. They're they're space vermin, and this series really kind of hammers that fact home that they're space vermin but they're guided by equally dumbass space vermin 
So it's cool. It's a really neat take on Warlord of Mars and Mars Attacks. If you have a couple bucks and you see it, pick it up because it's awesome. Dean Kotz steals the show. His drawings are wonderful. Deja is gorgeous. Uh, John Carter is every bit the pulp hero we've known him to be. Dashing dude. It's great. I don't know how more clearly I can put it. It is great. Get it. Warlord of Mars Attacks. Nice. Yep. Uh, in your travels, you'll be able to, um, I believe you'll be able to get these issues in an upcoming collection in, in this month's previous, but, um, I didn't know the series was ending with this particular issue, but I read issues nine and 10 of ghost spider and this volume ends, like I said, with the 10th issue and it, it ends with, um, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the future. Really, it, it's um, the I mentioned last time that Susan and Johnny Storm are influencers, and and uh, they're pretty people, and they have followers and subscribers, and that's all they really care about. And they went missing for about five years. Turns out they were in Latveria, um, and now they're home. They're back in New York, and um. They have powers and they want to team up with Ghost Spider and uh, they're basically just using Ghost Spider because uh, since even though she's a criminal, she's a felon with a record. um, Since she is seen as a hero by some and she has worked with the police, if the Storm's fans see them together, then, you know, she's giving them a rub and and. They'll be fine to they basically want to be the heroes of New York. So they want her to leave. And um, it seems like the series kind of ended like it may have been possible to string that conflict out a little bit. I mean, I think it ended well enough. I I, I don't think they they were. I, I just feel like the way comics are today, that this is a confrontation that probably could have um been a whole other arc and for good or bad, but um, there's Gwen's suit, Ghost Spider's suit uh, is, is a symbiote. It may require sustenance. Um, and there have been times where she'll, Gwen will get angry um, and the suit will change her, the hood she wears um will end up having like some, some spikes almost like look like fangs. Um, and the suit has actually gone all black with it in, instead of a tongue. There's, there's been like a red jagged sash going down through the front and, um, and white has appeared almost again to make it maybe look like teeth or fangs as, as if, you know, you would see a venom symbiote, but, um, the way we, we find out in, in issue 10 how the storms got their powers uh, and what happened to Dr. Doom on on this earth. Um, it ain't pretty. And when um, when faced with the choice, with the option of either um, 
leaving New York, leaving New York to the storms, um, or staying and fighting them, they will hurt Gwen's father, Gwen's friends. And they know all about the Mary Janes. They know all about Gwen's life. Um, and they'll, they'll do whatever they have to, to make sure that, uh, they're shown, they're seen as heroes and, and, uh, they just want Gwen to go away. So, um, the, the book, the issue that's the, the series, the title kind of ends with, um, with her making that choice and, and reaching out to her friends. Um, and, and I got to the last page and I turned the page and I see what would have been a letters page. Um, and it's a, it's a whole, so long and thanks for the fish kind of thing at the end, but it was, um, it looked great. It, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, um, Shannon McGuire's, the writer, Aguara drew this, this arc. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was, I was a fan of this run a lot. And I, um, yeah, the, the, the storms are some fucked up people in, in this universe. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it was a bummer. I, I was, I was feeling it. They, they were definitely, getting to me acting the way they were behaving the way they were um and and that's probably another reason why i was surprised that that we got to the end of it because um i wanted to see those those smirks wiped off their faces and 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 we didn't get that yet so um i i uh i'm looking forward to see where gwen's going from here i don't know if this if 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 you know if this ties into outlawed when, when, whenever that, I guess finally starts. I don't know if it has yet. And so, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I, I know there was talk that ghost spider was going to be one of the digital only titles. And I don't know if they just decided that we'll, we'll end it at 10 and, and this way I don't have to worry about that. I don't know if this was always the plan to maybe end this arc and do something else, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what happens next. And I do believe these, this arc is is um, collected in a uh, in a trade in in this month's Marvel preview. So um, if you want to see what I'm talking about, I, I I really really and and there are moments where where Gwen's swinging through the city and and her inner monologue and and which it it reminds me of what I enjoyed about about the Spidey books back in the in the mid '80s and and how Peter carried himself and how he saw himself as a hero when he was trying to do like when seriously brings back all of all of those uh all those good vibes it, it's it's a really cool way to um not really a passing of the torch but i someone who read those stories back then to to kind of get those feels for, from a character today and and in a modern setting um hit me just right so yeah in your travels Ghost Spider, at least. Well, now that this arc's done, but yeah. All right, nice little uh, little Gwen action. I'm looking forward to uh, when MJ becomes a heroine. Um, Taking heroin. Okay, now. <laughs> uh, in your travels, uh, we're gonna get get on back to IDW because. If it's IDW time, you know what type of book we're talking about. We're talking about Lock and Key is back, baby. Written by Joe Hill. Amazing artwork, as always, by Mr. Gabriel Rodriguez. I'm speaking about Lock and Key, 
in pale battalions go number one of two much anticipated return to the lock and key universe first comics we've gotten um since the tv show although i'm not sure about dog days maybe the dog days one shot came out right around the tv show but it's been a minute um it's a prequel of sorts it follows a young john locke um who's living in key house in the um early 1900s it's uh, world war one is happening and uh young mr Locke tries to go to canada to enlist to fight in the war because he it's been called by the press the last great war and the locks have fought in every war and it would be a shame if they didn't fight in this one but uh, he's like 10 years old so he gets kind of laughed out of the room and uh his dad pulls him back into key house and uh, away we go but the cool thing about this, aside from the period setting, is that um, back then uh, it was a much different situation. The keys were not hidden. The keys were not uh, to be discovered with a, a lot of uncertainties of what they did and, and which keys existed. At this point, John and his parents and his sister are uh, not only aware of the keys, they are active users of the keys, even for the most mundane things like John's mom uses the key, the music box key, which can control people's or control minds to get raccoons to clean up around the house. Um, so they they make liberal use of them just for for even modern conveniences. And it's an interesting dynamic. Um, but uh, but I, it's it's always wonderful to revisit this. Clearly, the premise here is that uh, young John wants to fight in the war. He doesn't understand why. They're not using the keys to further that. His mom and his dad both say, remember, these keys were born out of evil. And in many ways, they were almost they want to be used for for war and destruction. And I, and I would imagine that's foreshadowing based on how the, the first issue ends. Uh, it, it would seem to me that the second issue is going to be set in the World War One setting in Europe. And uh, I'm here for it, man. It's it's great. We're going to get more lock and key in a few months. We're going to get the lock and key Sandman crossover which should be amazing and probably a massive commercial success to boot but um i, I would imagine our listeners don't need to, me to sell them hard on lock and key if you're not aboard by now then you probably never will be and uh i uh yeah it was great it, it just always feels like putting on a nice comfortable pair of pants when this come out this week oh no kidding mm-hmm. how the hell did i miss this well the, n- not the, this past week i should say the last wednesday Okay, well, I need to read it. You need to. That cover's really nice. Always, I mean, always. Of course, looking at the one with the open door and the the teddy bear, and the, it looks great. Yes, sir. Sweet stuff. All right, everybody, thank you for being here with us one more time around. We'll be back in uh, two days, maybe three days, whatever. For more goodness, we hope you join us. In the meantime, say good night. Making pictures, David. <laughs> so stupid. Not humming. I'm not your trained little monkey who makes sounds. So oh can... no, 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 huh? David. Nice. You did it. I did it. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. I could do it without you. That's it for that one. <laughs>